0: In this message we review a few more aspects of the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. We conclude noting that the Old Testament ministry was indeed glorious. New Testament ministry is to be more glorious. We must expect greater glory, greater manifestations of the Spirit in our time. We are doing a series on the Holy Spirit. right? We are learning as a church about the Holy Spirit about the work of the Holy Spirit, about the person of the Holy Spirit, who is He and what He can do in our lives, just to get a better understanding of the Holy Spirit. And last Sunday, specifically, we learned about uh, the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Right? Very interesting, what the Holy Spirit could do in and through people and in the Old Testament. And we saw some very interesting things, that the Holy Spirit is not just confined to the worship time, or when we sing that last song, or when we do, when we sing, you know, how great is our God, and uh, for us to feel all excited, no, no. The Holy Spirit is very much there through the week, Monday to Saturday, in the workplace where we are. We saw that the Holy Spirit is able to give us abilities, artistic abilities, like He did to Bezalel, right? And we saw that the Holy Spirit is able to uh, uh, empower people in administration like he did for David as a ruler, as a king. And we also saw that the Holy Spirit gave David the blueprint for the temple. And he, he wasn't a trained architect, but then the Holy Spirit did that. He gave David the entire blueprint. He gave David prophetic songs. He enabled him to sing. So we see that the Holy Spirit did amazing uh, extraordinary things through people, to people in the Old Testament. And today is part two of that. We're going to continue looking at some of the the people through whom the Holy Spirit worked and we're going to look at what He did through them. Okay. So are we ready to do that? Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, the Holy Spirit is the same in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Like some of us you know, we have a different picture of God, right? The God of the Old Testament, angry. God of the New Testament, full of grace. But no, it's the same God. He's the same Holy Spirit. But we see that the way he worked in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, there's a difference. In the Old Testament, we see that he would come on people, on individuals for a particular assignment. He would empower them. He would, uh, he would come upon them, guide them, direct them. And they would go about doing what the Lord had purposed. So he came upon kings, he came upon prophets, upon the judges. So he would do that. But in the New Testament, under the New Covenant, we see that the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us. He has come to reside in us. I'd like us to turn to uh, John chapter 14. (coughs) Sorry, John chapter 14 and... And verse 16 and this is how the Lord Jesus described the ministry of the Holy Spirit and we see the difference here he says and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever note the words that he may abide or stay or dwell abide with you forever the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. So we see the change happening in the new covenant. So Jesus telling his disciples, saying, He's going to be with you, He's going to be in you, He's going to stay, dwell. Is that good news? Yes, that's great news. Because there's not a moment when he is not there. There's not a moment when he's not there. When you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is there. When we face certain things, certain challenges, which seems insurmountable, He is there. He comes, He has come to dwell, stay, abide, to help us, to strengthen us, so that we would carry out the purposes that He has purposed for us. That's great news. And we are studying about the role of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament Not only to see how he worked there, but it is actually, in a way, God's resume. It's God's resume. It's God, you know, when you look at a resume, you see what all the others, uh, the person had accomplished. What the person had done. What the person is capable of doing. The skills, the qualifications, the abilities. It's like going through the resume of God. Every time we see the Holy Spirit working through a prophet, working through a king, working through the judges, it's like going through the resume of God. And the best part is this. The instruction that is given to us, the examples that, have been, that are there in the Old Testament, it's there for a purpose. And it's mentioned here in Romans chapter 15, Romans chapter 15 and verse 4, it says, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Verse 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of of the Holy Spirit. So these things were written before for our learning so that we can look at this and learn and say oh this is how God did, this is what God did. But it doesn't stop with that. It is so that through the patience and comfort of the scriptures we might have hope. It's not just to look at the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and go wow that's amazing. But when we look at that, when we learn, we understand that God is able to do it again. Amen. Do it again in our lives so that we might have hope. And verse 13 says that believing we might abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that even as we look through the Old Testament, look through the work of the Holy Spirit, That we will come to that place of learning where we will have hope. That we will, in our hearts, tell God, God, do it again. Do it again. That we will look at God with a childlike wonder and say, God, do it again. I'm sure when you've played with children, uh, maybe you've given them something or you've tickled them or you've made some funny face at them and they say, they laugh, they enjoy. And they say, do it again. They never get tired of it right? You get tired of it, but they never get tired of it. They say, do it again, do it again, do it again. You know, even as we, today, as we look at some of the things that the Holy Spirit has done in the lives of people, you know, can we tell God in our hearts, God, do it again. Amen. Tell God, he never tires of doing it again, but can we go to him with that childlike wonder and say, God, do it again. Okay. So the first scene is this, we turn to 1 Kings chapter 18, 1 Kings chapter 18 and verses 45 and 46 and we see this man Elijah, this prophet Elijah, 1 Kings 18 and verse 45 and the context is this, that Elijah is there. Uh, He's just had this great victory. He's just seen this great uh, display of God's power on Mount Carmel. And he's there, and he he tells to this king Ahab, he tells him, go up, eat and drink, for there is sound of abundance of rain, right? Um, If you back up to verse 1, we see that there's been a severe drought in the land. There's famine, there's drought. There's been no rain. Now he tells Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is sound of abundance of rain. And we know what happens after that. He prays seven times. He tells his servant to go and see. And then the servant comes and says, There is a cloud like the size of a man's hand. Verse 45 says, Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Look at verse 46, then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah and he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Amazing. Ahab goes to Jezreel on the fastest mode of transportation of that day. He rode away in his horse, probably a chariot. He rode away and we see that Elijah when the hand of the lord came upon elijah he does something he just like pastor says rolled up his dhoti his lungi and he just ran and it says here he ran ahead of ahab and reached jezreel amazing you know when we read some some things like this you know it's natural to just think you know is it possible is it possible but we need to understand that Elijah did not run because he was a fast runner Elijah ran because of the hand of the Lord so that's the difference so is it possible oh yes it is possible so the question is you know what is our limitation What is the physical limitation that we face today? What is the limitation that we sometimes put on our own lives? What is it that is limiting us? The hand of the Lord is well able to take us beyond our human limitation. Our physical limitation, the hand of the Lord. And the hand of the Lord, of course, refers to the presence of God, the touch of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So he is able to take us beyond our human strength, our human capability, and even our human limitation. Let's never forget that. The hand of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord. So this happened to Elijah. We move on and we come to 2 Kings chapter 3. 2 Kings chapter 3 and verse 14. And we see another man by name Elisha. Second Second Kings chapter 3 and verse 14, we see Elisha and uh, this is the background. There are three kings, the king of Israel, the king of Judah and Edom. They come and meet prophet Elisha wanting to hear from God. Now in those days, in in the old covenant, whenever people wanted to hear from God, they went to the prophet who would inquire, who would inquire of the Lord. And tell the people what it is, what the word of the Lord is. So they come to Elisha and then they ask him um, about about, uh, what is going to happen because the Moabite king is is against them. He's called for war. Let's read uh, verses 14 and 16. uh, 2 Kings 3 verse 14. It says, and Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you nor see you. Verse 15, But now bring me a musician. Then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. When the musician played, the hand of the Lord came upon him. Verse 16, And he said, Thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. Verse 15 again, now bring me a musician. Then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he says, thus says the Lord. Now we know that music elicits an emotional response. Right? We know that clearly. Uh, Whenever music is played, we are stirred up in our emotions and the film industry uses that right if there is a if there is a happy scene and we know if there is a you know good music upbeat music it helps express that happy scene right or if there's a, a mournful sad uh, you know scenario the music helps to express it better so you feel you feel that emotion and I'm sure you get up in the morning, maybe you're driving to work and you you know you play some music, upbeat bu- music, then your mood shifts, right? So music always does that, it draws out an emotional response and we know that but here we, some, we see something which is beyond that, beyond the, uh, an emotional response beyond the stirring up of just emotions we see that when the music is played The hand of the Lord comes upon the prophet. The Spirit of God touches the prophet. The Spirit of God gives the prophet the words that he's supposed to give, the counsel that he's supposed to give to these kings. And he says, thus says the Lord. So we see the association between music, the right kind of music, and the stirring up of the prophetic the stirring up of the gift, of the anointing. So we see the, the importance between music and how it can activate uh, the prophetic. And we see this happening in Elisha's life. So, so why do we have music in church? Why do we have music when we worship? It's not just to feel happy. It's not just to you know, feel upbeat about it but when the right kind of music is expressed in worship, the hand of the Lord, there is a stirring of the anointing. So, so let's be aware of the kind of music that we listen to time and again. Right? If the right kind of music can have or stir up the spirit, which also means that If it's another kind of music, then there is another kind of stirring up that's happening, both emotionally and in the realm of the spirit. Right? So this is what we see. This is what happened at Elisha, uh, in Elisha's life. And we also see that the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom operating powerfully among these prophets, very accurate. And how did this happen? Because of the hand of the Lord. Scripture is very plain. Prophecy never comes by the will of man. But the Holy Spirit inspires, the Holy Spirit gives, the Holy Spirit guides. So we see that happening again in Elisha's life. And uh, this is in chapter 6, uh, 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 8. And when we read from 8 to 12, uh, sorry, verses 1 to 2, uh, yeah, chapter 6 and verses 8 to 12, we see about... Uh, we read about the king of Syria who comes again to make war against Israel and uh, and he is he is a little troubled because he's planning this war he's making these strategies but it seems as if the people of Israel come to know about it every time he makes this strategy He says okay this is where I will camp or i will send my army or send my uh my forces it's as if the people of israel the, the army of israel has already preempted that and they are already there it's checkmate every time so much so he's frustrated and he and he and he tells his servants you know who is it in this house who is who is just conveying this who is telling israel about whatever is happening and we read this, uh, this amazing declaration by one of the servants, verse 12 says, And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. Elisha, the prophet, under the hand of the Lord, He tells the king of Israel the words that you speak. Amazing. Humanly impossible. But under the hand of the Lord, this is what happens. This is what the Holy Spirit is capable of doing. He is capable of doing much more. And as we read about this anointing and about the work of the Holy Spirit, I just want to mention two things here. One is about impartation. And secondly, about transfer. Okay, impartation. I'm sure we, we know that account when Elisha and Elijah are taking a walk and Elisha tells Elijah, Elisha asks him, what do you want? Because he knows that his ministry, earthly ministry is over, is going to be taken away. So he asks, what do you want? So Elisha, Elisha says, I want a double portion of that anointing which is on you. The anointing, the work of the Holy Spirit, the move of the Holy Spirit in a person's life to carry out the things that a person is supposed to do, simply put. So he, so he says, I want a double portion of that. Now, whatever you have, Elijah, I want double of that. And then he receives that as well because uh, Bible call- scholars say that the recorded miracles uh, which were done through Elisha were exactly double of what Elijah did. Exactly double. Of what Elijah did. So he received a double portion of the anointing. So, this is what we can learn that there are different levels of anointing or different uh, uh, measures of anointing, like we saw, like we learned last time, how the 70 elders also received the anointing that was on Moses. We, we read about that. Right? So, there are different measures of anointing. But we see that the Lord Jesus walked in the spirit without measure. Without boundaries, without measure. Infinite. He walked in the spirit without measure. Secondly, we see that we can desire, receive and grow in this anointing. So that is what Elisha did. He said, I want double of what I see happening in your life. He desired that. He received that. And he also walked in that, exercised that. So also in our lives, you know, we can desire, Lord, I want you to work in my life in this way. We can desire that and grow in that anointing. And that is what we see in Elisha's life. Uh, The third thing that we learn is that, you know, association with people positions us or sets us up for impartation. But the anointing comes only from him. Right? Elijah was with Elisha. I mean, Elisha was with Elijah and he walked with him. He saw what Elijah did. He heard what Elijah was was teaching and what he was doing. He saw it firsthand. So he was associated with him and therefore he desired what Elijah had. So our association can actually set us up, bring us to that place of desiring, bring us to that place of hungering, or bring us to that place of learning more about the anointing. But we must understand that the anointing does not come from a human person, but it comes from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords alone. Amen. Now, he might use a human vessel, but the anointing comes from him. John chapter 3 and verse 27, the Lord says, uh, I mean, uh, I think this was the words of uh, John the Baptist, John chapter 3, let's go there, John chapter 3 and, uh, and verse 27, With the words of John the Baptist he's saying, John answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it had been given to him from heaven. So the anointing comes from heaven. God, the anointing comes from him alone, but the association can bring us to that place of hungering, of learning, of desiring what the anointing is about. And then we learn about the transfer of the anointing. So this is about the impartation or the giving of the anointing. Then we see another word, which is the transfer of anointing. Now, John the Baptist, during his ministry, he walked in the spirit of Elijah Time and again, it's mentioned that he walked in the spirit of Elijah. And we're going to look at a few scriptures which talk about that. Luke chapter 1 and verse 16. Uh, we, we see it being mentioned, Luke chapter 1 and uh, verse 16. And this is the angel Gabriel who's speaking to John the Baptist's father, Zacharias. And this is what he says. He says, He um, says, For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, verse 15, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. Look at verse 17. He says, he will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So he will go before him, before the Lord, in the spirit and power of Elijah. The spirit and power of Elijah. Matthew chapter 11, verse 14, the Lord Jesus himself mentions that, that John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah, that he is the Elijah. He says in verse, uh, chapter 17, he says, he is Elijah who has already come. And so on. So we see that he walked in the same kind of anointing that Elijah walked in. But when we put the life of John the Baptist and then we compare the things that Elijah did, we are surprised. Hey, he didn't do any miracles the way Elijah did. Then how can we say that he walked in the spirit and power of Elijah? It was just one aspect of the anointing that was on Elijah which is he turned the hearts of the fathers back, he turned the hearts of the children back to the fathers and he turned the, the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and this is what he did. So in the transfer of the anointing, we see that there could be just one aspect of the anointing that we could walk in, but it is a transfer of the anointing nevertheless. Right? So we learn about this anointing and we, uh, we're going to be learning more about this in the weeks ahead, about the transfer of the anointing, about the impartation of the anointing of God. Now God's heart is this. You know, why is there a transfer of anointing? Why is there a transfer at all across these years, after several hundred years? God's heart is this, that His Word That he's entrusting to us the work of the spirit that he's entrusting us with he wants that to go from this generation to be passed on to the next generation and to the next generation till he comes again that's God's heart right and we see that in Isaiah 59 and verse 21 Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 21 as for me says the Lord This is my covenant with them, my spirit who is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth nor from the mouth of your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants, descendants says the Lord from this time and forevermore. So, God's heart, God's desire is this, that the word He gives us with the revelation that He gives us, the working of the Spirit that we enjoy or experience, He wants that to be passed on to the next generation and to the next generation till He comes again. You know, I I was listening to this podcast uh, with Bill Johnson and and he talks about how he was with his grandchildren one day and he was just observing his grandchildren, all toddlers playing. And they were playing church. Like, how many of you played church? Okay, I've played church with my daughter. <laughs> you know, we used to go to South and uh, get things ready. So we'll put a chair there, and and you know she'll have this book, and she'll open it and sing. And uh, though we didn't hy- we didn't have hymnals, you know, she'll she'll do that, and she'll read and do the declaration and all that. So we played church, right? Um, I hope we are not playing church today. <laughs> it's for real, right? We are the church. Amen. So, Bill Johnson talks about how he saw his grandchildren, you know, playing one day. And, and this is what they did. Okay, so this, um, this little one comes to the other, other one and says, puts the hand there and says, Be healed in Jesus' name. But before that, the little one actually has removed the shirt and put one hand inside, right? As if there's no hand there, put one hand inside. So this one comes and says, be healed in Jesus' name. And this child puts the hands out and says, I am healed. So Bill Johnson says, you know, this is commonplace for them now. As children, they, they have seen it, they have heard it, and they've experienced healing. So that's the level they are at. Now, they will build on that. They will build on that. Right? And if you, if you read through history, you see the dark ages where there's no mention of salvation. But we come to a place where the Lord uses one man to preach salvation through faith. And then we come to a place in history where there's teaching about revelation about the work of the Holy Spirit. And then we build on and on and on. And so also, you know, God's desire is that what we are experiencing, what we, what we know, God's desire is that, that it should be passed on to the next generation. So He's looking to us to really steward that and pass it on to the next generation. And for that, we need to have a, have a Father's heart, right? Because when we pass on uh, what we have, now the next generation is gonna go higher and probably further than we have ever gone. Right. It will go further. Do greater things. And the spirit and, and the and the Lord Jesus said, If you believe in me and you will do greater things, and the greater things are happening and yet to come. So this next generation will go further, will will go higher than we have gone. And to see that and to keep encouraging that, we need to have a father's heart or a mother's heart, a parent's heart, right? Otherwise, you know, there's all possibility that we could look at that and say, and, and condemn that work or to be, to be jealous or to be you know, envious about that. We need to have the father's heart, have a mother's heart to, to steward, to, to encourage the next generation because that's the heart of God. Okay, moving on to uh, another uh, person on, upon whom the Holy Spirit came and, and this is Ezekiel. We're looking at Ezekiel chapter 3, Ezekiel chapter 3 and verse 14. and Ezekiel has a different kind of experience so he says so the spirit lifted me up and took me away and I went in bitterness in the heat of my spirit but the hand of the Lord was strong upon me he says the spirit of the Lord lifted me up literally lifted him and took him away he went in with deep emotion He went in bitterness, in the heat of my spirit. That's how he describes what he was going through, what was happening on the inside. The spirit lifted him up. And we see uh, something else in chapter 37 and verse 1. Um, We know that chapter. It's the chapter about the valley of dry bones. And uh, verse 1, The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones." So, these are some things that Ezekiel experienced, that he was actually set up on his feet. And in a vision, he was taken to this valley of dry bones and asked to do something, declare the word over those dry bones. So, being transported in visions, um, you know, whenever we talk about it, we sometimes associate this with the new age all experiences with the new age. But the God who created us is well able to touch our emotions, is well able to touch our spirit, to reach deep in, is well able to do these things so that his purpose will be fulfilled. Is well able to do that. So maybe, you know, be open to God May we be in the Word so we know that we can discern. May we be in the Word, full of the Word, so that we can uh, discern between what is right and what is wrong and we can be sensitive to the work of the Spirit. But the thing is that we need to be open to the move of God. The Holy Spirit is well able to color outside the lines of our understanding, outside the comfort of our tradition, is well able to take us beyond that. Amen. So this is what Ezekiel had, this kind of experience. And lastly, we're going to look at Zechariah, Zechariah 4 and verse 6. And uh, the word of the Lord comes to Zechariah and he's supposed to convey this to Zerubbabel. Zechariah 4 and verse 6, So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit says the lord of hosts not by might nor not by power but by my spirit says the lord we see that zerubbabel actually was part of the leadership and they were involved in rebuilding the temple after the babylonian um, babylonians had come and gone and uh, after that time they were involved in rebuilding the temple and he was part of the leadership group and the Lord brings the word through Zechariah to him to say, not by power, nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You know, how, how many of us have unfinished assignments in our lives? You know, the, the very word unfinished assignment says, you know, there's a churning in the stomach, right? <laughs> I don't know about you, but to me it does happen. The Lord says, hey, not by power, By all means, you know, use your intellect, use your understanding, and use your strength. The Lord says, it's by my Spirit. Through His Spirit, through the enabling of the Spirit, He enabled Zerubbabel to complete the assignment that He was handling. And the Holy Spirit is well able to do that in our lives today. Whatever it is, That we are doing whatever task that we are we have put our hands to the Spirit of God wants to remind us it's not just by might or by power but by his enablement by the enablement of the Holy Spirit amen and he will bring it to pass and it will be for his glory now we saw all these wonderful things in the in the Old Testament the work of the Holy Spirit but when we look at the New Testament, we see this uh, amazing statement again. 2 Corinthians chapter, C, uh, chapter 3, sorry, verses 6 to 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Says, Paul writes and he says, Who also, he's talking about the Lord, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant? Am I speaking to the ministers of the new covenant? Amen. Oh, yes, made as sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Verse 7, but if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? He's talking about the ministry of the letter of the law and the ministry of the Spirit, and he said, How will not the ministry, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? So as ministers of the new covenant, as believers, in the New Testament now, can we expect the work of the Spirit a similar work of the Spirit in our lives it is scriptural to expect the work of the Spirit in our lives and much more because it talks about how the ministry of the Spirit is more glorious is more glorious so it, it requires a shift in our thinking It requires a shift in our thinking. Yes, it's all right to look and be, and look at the Old Testament and and look at it in amazement and in wonder and say, amazing. But it is scriptural, it's biblical today to look at God and say, God, do it again. Do it again, God. In our lives, God. In my life, not, fi, not for my own glory or whatever, but for your glory, so that your purposes will be fulfilled. Amen. Let's have that expectation, let's have that mindset. And uh, I want to close again with the, with the verse that we read, um, even as the worship team comes up and uh, ministers. I just want to read that verse again Romans chapter 15. Let's go there again. Romans chapter 15 and verse 4 says, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Verse 13, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Can you make that, can we make that our prayer this morning, this afternoon and say, God, fill me with all joy and peace as I put my hope, my trust, my faith in you, as I believe in you. And Lord, cause me to abound in hope Caused me to abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, one of the things that happens when we go through difficult times or when we go through uh, the mundane things of life is that we forget to dream. When we face failures and challenges again and again, when we are beaten down again and again, we forget to come to that place of dreaming again and saying, God, I want to do this for you. Or, God, I, I, I want to do this, I, I take me there. You know, all those dreams sometimes, you know, are shattered. And, and Satan does that to us sometimes. Trials do that to us. We're just straight-jacketed. But the God of all hope, through the scriptures, through the things that were written before, through the works that he did, through his resume, he wants us to come to that place of wonder and abandonment again and saying, God, fill me with hope. I want to abound in hope. I want to dream again. I want to dream again. I want to, you know, I'm sure that some of us, you know, when we were born again, we had great things. We, We just wanted to win the world for God. something happened along the way either we were conditioned or something happened and those dreams now where are those dreams and i believe that the holy spirit through his work in the old testament through the learning of the scriptures wants to wants us to come to that place again shall we all stand up wants us to that come wants us to come to that place again and say god i want to dream again I want to be hopeful again. I want to overflow again with your thoughts. I want to overflow again with your dreams for me, oh God. With your purposes for me, oh God. Can we just look to God and have a, you know, authentic, real conversation this afternoon. No Christianese, please. Just open up your heart to God and say, God, if you're hurting, just say, God, I'm hurting. you're feeling hopeless you say God I feel hopeless but God I believe but God we believe Those of us who are able to, maybe you want to sit down, maybe you want to kneel, Um, let's tell God, Lord, I'm falling on my knees. Um, Those of us who are able to, if you want to stand, that's perfectly all right. But let's tell the Lord, God, do your work in me. I'm waiting for you. You're all I'm waiting for. offer ourselves to you, O God, unreservedly, O Master God. Is anyone here and, uh, you know, you feel that tug in your heart that you want to offer yourself to God again. Maybe there was a time when you did so, but it seems like much water has flown under the bridge. And you're in a place and you can't recognize that place where you were many years ago you come and just say God I offer myself to you again. Maybe there's someone here and maybe you've never offered yourself to him. The Lord is just waiting to, for you to open the door because the Bible says that he stands at the door and knocks. If you will open the door of your heart he will come in There's nothing to fear. He will come in and He is perfect love Himself. And Perfect love casts out all fear. So open the door of your heart and let the Lord come in. And maybe you need to make Him the Lord of your life. And you could do that as well this morning. Thank you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. We thank you Lord that you are the same yesterday, today and forever. You never change with time. And we are so grateful that you are here with us holding our hands reviving the dreams that you put in our hearts. We thank you Lord. Like you said that you told Joshua, as you were with Moses, so you will be. As you were in the days of old and what you did through your people, God, so you will be and so you will do in us, Lord. Oh, we thank you. We are grateful, God. We are grateful, oh God. We thank you. We thank you. Now if any of you made that prayer for the first time saying, God, I offer my life to you, can I just see your hands? We'd like to pray with you after the service. If you prayed for the first time saying, I offer my life to you. If you said that, anyone? Okay. Um, if you, you could come in front and meet with any of us after the service, and we'd just like to pray with you. Right. Let's close. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship, the communion of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and in the days ahead. Amen. 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 We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.